Hello, and welcome to You Philosopher. So given that we're coming up on Christmas and that we've been spending time with the holiday season, I thought today would be a good day to talk about something kind of nice, Mr. Rogers. And uh, there is a, currently a new film out about Mr. Rogers. Uh, it's called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I cried a fair amount during it. Uh, it's a thoughtful film and it's worth thinking about. And so with that, I wanted to start with some criticisms that have been leveled at Mr. Rogers, who, by the way, no, was not like a Marine sniper or anything like that. Um, he, in fact, to, to the best of my understanding, having never met the man, re was really very much the person that is portrayed um, by, by him right, in his show. In other words, someone who was very invested in other people, genuinely cared about the welfare of children, and was generally um, a kind and loving individual. So in that way, fairly rare, in fact. So, well, what's the criticism? Well, one criticism came out of Fox and Friends, which I guess is kind of no surprise, which was this idea that Mr. Rogers um, somehow has destroyed generations of children, and specifically how, uh, by making them feel special and therefore entitled. And so that's really interesting. So of course, in Mr. Rogers' show, uh, he ends each episode right, reminding the, the viewer that there's no one like you. And in that way, right, you're special and um, loved and lovable. And so this criticism from Fox and Friends speaks to me of a whole lot of kind of flaws in our thinking societally. Uh, so, so what are those flaws? Well, one is um, kind of our ability to make something sound like a criticism that's based on care, when in fact it's a criticism based on, on selfishness and manipulation. What do I mean by that? So to say, well, like, isn't it concerning that making children feel special also makes them feel entitled? And then that's why we have a generation of people who just um, are kind of thoughtless and uncaring and just think that they deserve things without work. And that sounds really reasonable, right? It sounds like a reasonable thing to level at Mr. Rogers if he's somehow responsible for this. But if you think about it, what's also embedded in this idea is one, um, <clears throat> that being um, special inherently therefore means um, being better than and um, deserving. But that's not, first of all, true. <clears throat> One of the things that seems really obvious to me about Mr. Rogers' show, and I think is probably obvious to, to the children who watch it, though not in words, but I think they, they tend to show often a great um, <clears throat> more deal of depth than we grant them credit for, which is a realization that if Mr. Rogers is speaking to every viewer, that he doesn't mean only you and you are the only one who matters. There's nothing about his suggestion that um, there's no one else like you that means that you are better than everyone else. In fact, since he's saying it to every viewer, there's this weird kind of realization that everyone is unique, but we're also not unique in that uniqueness. Um, and so, there's a uniting quality to that. There's a recognition of the, the importance of the other as well. 
the the he's saying oh he's saying that there's no one else like me and oh wow i guess that also means there's no one else like you and therefore we can respect each other's humanity and <clears throat> be <clears throat> pardon me um kind of connected in that idea and so what seems very strange to me is is that really what what roger seems to be gesturing towards is the the fact that everyone um is worthy of love and not like just one individual but that but everybody and that you can you can feel good about yourself as you are without and here's the kicker having to do something and that's where i think that kind of criticism is really pretty insidious right is that really what fox and friends was saying is um shouldn't people have to do something uh to be special and what that really ends up being kind of read as is shouldn't you have to do something to be worthy of love right that <clears throat> if if somehow specialness is, is connected to this idea of um being loved which i think um rogers is kind of trying to gesture towards right you know you're all worthwhile it's okay you know i can i can love you as you are but notice his his form of love um particular being i believe a presbyterian minister didn't mean like oh i approve of everything you do or that you can't do better or um that you can't continue to grow it, it simply means that you as you are are someone who deserves love which is really nothing to do with um, whether or not that person should do better or improve or or isn't doing something wrong at the time it's that ability and when you think about it you know when you have a child who does something whether uh say say you have you know they're five right and they do something either you know that they shouldn't do or something kind of heinous which children are wont to do right um you generally don't tell that child well i'm not going to love you if you keep acting like that no really i mean the most effective thing for for their behavior really ends up to be to remind them like yes i am criticizing you and i want you to change your behavior but i do love you i love you no matter what the problem isn't you the problem is your behavior and so what this criticism which is really if you think about it kind of a capitalist criticism is is that no i'm not going to love you if you don't do what i want right you're not worthy of love if you don't provide what society wants and especially because that criticism connected it to the idea of work this idea of like well don't people need to do something and that's very um kind of key in our society today that people need to be productive citizens they need to do something of worth and we generally don't even mean like to do good we mean you need to work right you need to produce which is really just a way of saying you need to do stuff for us it's all part of a kind of exchange right you're worthy of love when you do something for me and so i think that that kind of criticism of rogers is really very revealing kind of about who we are societally speaking which is a society that believes in the idea of exchange and really that that need to get something for something um is undermined by rogers and interestingly enough um is undermined really by the core um tenets of christianity um which is funny because certainly like a show like fox and friends would claim to be like you know somehow christian embedded 
But the idea of, of love being self-sacrificial, that you don't need anything back, that a true gift is one that doesn't get anything in return, and that that is fundamentally the nature of love, to, to be giving without expectation of return, um, seems to be one that doesn't function well in an economy that demands exchange, right? Um, there, are, there, are, there are those who, I, uh, who, who seem to be kind of suggesting or gesturing towards through this kind of criticism that almost that people like Mr. Rogers and charity in general, whether it's emotional charity or financial charity, are kind of a danger to the underlying economic system which was really kind of what they were saying insofar as they're saying like it ruins it's ruined a generation right it spoiled a generation of people um insofar as well now you have a group of people who don't feel like they have to go out and work and toil to be worthy of love like they're they're basically okay with with who they are as they are and that really rattles the the economic notion that gets us out there working more than we have to um because if we're really honest with ourselves, the vast majority of us work way more than we have to, um, not just to have more than we need, that's true, but also because, and I don't know about you, but I certainly have this feeling, but also because um, there is this problem of like, but I need to be worthy, right? Um, don't I need to make more money and need to be able to kind of show off my job title? And even though the thing that would maybe make me happiest would be like kind of, um, you know, working a little bit, playing video games, um, you know, hanging out with my partner, playing with my kids, you know, that we end up feeling like we somehow have to be worthy of it. And, and the only way to be worthy is by work, by doing, doing this other stuff. And so it's interesting because it, it kind of connects nicely with the film because the film was really about forgiveness and dealing with this issue of how do you forgive other people and it's really important to note that forgiveness by definition is is kind of an anti um u.s model of economy notion and what do i mean by that well the etymology of forgiveness means kind of a couple of things right the origin of the word uh kind of means to give up right like to give something up to to give up on someone owing something to you um and it kind of seems to also mean like to give completely and so the word forgiveness at its core and certainly i think you see this when we talk when we talk about forgiveness in its fullness forgiveness basically means to give up on the idea of retribution and to give up on the idea that you're owed something well, that is, that is a notion that doesn't fit very well with our economic notion that if you're going to get something, you have to give something. And if you, if you give something, you should get something. But forgiveness is, is, a, is, is a full gift, right? It is a gift that doesn't allow for anything in return, right? Someone does you a harm and instead of taking retribution or continuing to hold on to whatever anger or malice or vengeance we want to engage in, we, we say, I forgive you. And what's embedded in that idea is, is I, I, I am not going to seek retribution. But notice that <clears throat> that retribution is wholly justified. 
right? If someone does me a harm, arguably, you know, particularly from our societal perspective, um, someone does me a harm, I have every right to retribution. I have every right to demand something of that person. And even if it's not in a, venge in a vengeance kind of way, you've done me harm, therefore you owe me this. You, should, you need to pay me back for the thing that you stole, or you've done me an emotional harm, and therefore you have to be kinder or more sensitive. But forgiveness, kind of with a, with a wave of a hand, suggests I, I give up, I give completely on the idea that you owe me anything. And so that is a significant gift because there is no way for then the person to earn forgiveness. Forgiveness by definition can't be earned. There's no exchange involved. The person does a harm and what do you give them? You give them basically the, I'm not going to do you harm in return. And so there's a whole lot of things that people might want to criticize about that, particularly in our own society. One, it undermines our economic notion in general that people have to earn stuff. But it also, there's this worry of like, well, wait, if I forgive people, doesn't that mean that I'm saying it's okay for them to continue doing this harm to me? And I think from a perspective like Mr. Rogers, the answer is pretty clearly no. And well, why? Why do I say that? Well, it really connects back to um, a lot of kind of uh, Christian ideas, but that go kind of like way back, um, which is fun, most fundamentally, to be brief, the idea that forgiving other people doesn't require um, uh, doesn't require doing them harm, but does also require that they recognize um, your own humanity. And I don't mean an exchange, because then I think we're undermining the whole argument, but that we also when when forgiving other people should be recognizing their humanity and our own right recognizing their worth and our worth so a good example of that is the whole idea of turn the other cheek which funnily in a lot of ways is really kind of ignored by us today especially because when we hear this narrative of like okay so we're told that if someone strikes us right we're supposed to turn the other cheek um, well, that just seems like, oh, okay, well, just go ahead, hit me as much as you want. And so it's kind of like this viewed as a real extreme. But what's interesting about it is that that narrative goes all the way back to a time when you could strike people in different ways. And that um, if you if you struck them with the palm of your hand, you were striking someone as your equal. If you struck, if you backhanded them, that's the way you would strike someone who was lesser than you or a slave or something like that. And so um, the whole idea of turning the other, sh the other cheek is really quite brilliant because what it suggests is that if someone strikes you, presumably they're also demeaning you, right? They're striking you with the back of their hand, right? They're viewing you as less than them by virtue of, of the harm that they're doing. Also keeping in mind that we're using metaphors here. They strike you with the back of their hand. Um, if you turn the other cheek, at least metaphorically speaking, that places them in the position where if they want to strike you again, they can't backhand you. They're going to have to strike you with the palm of their hand. And, and I, of course, I know that there's lots of like, we've, can't they just strike you with the other hand? But it, it's, a, it's also metaphorical that the idea being that if someone is going to demean you in this way, that the solution is not to demean them in the same way. This just creates a cycle of vengeance and violence. And moreover, it also, it, it's a little bit strange that when someone hits us, we hit them back without really reflecting on the fact that our answer to why we're hitting them is because they hit us. You know, why'd you, why, why did you hit 
Susie. You know, you say, say to your children, why did you hit Susie? And the child says, well, because Susie hit me. And what's interesting about that is, is the, the reasonable response is, is I know she hit you. And I know you hit her because she hit you, but I'm asking you, why did you hit her because she hit you? And we just kind of already have in mind this idea that, oh, well, if someone hits me, they deserve to be struck back. But why? And the answer ends up having to be, well, but because they hit me. But if hitting people, if, if, if hitting you is wrong, um, because hitting people is wrong, well, then you've engaged in the behavior that you literally just said the other person shouldn't do. And the only way out of it is to, to go, well, like, yeah, but I didn't deserve it, but they deserve it. But why do they deserve it? Because they did it to me. Well, why didn't you deserve it? Well, because I didn't do anything to them. But it's highly likely that if Susie hits you, Susie's hitting you because she thinks you did something to deserve it. Maybe you didn't hit her, but you said something or you did something unkind. And so she's going to be like, no, I hit you because you did this, right? And, well, I, you know, you might say, well, I did, but I did that because, and it just kind of cycles around. So the issue of forgiveness then is really, really quite fascinating because it's, um, it's, a, it's a gift that, doesn't allow for anything to be given back, right? It's 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 basically a gift of death, right? It is a, it is a gift of um, total self-sacrifice, right? You give up any right or claim that you have that someone should have to pay you back for the harm that they that they've done, right? You have sacrificed yourself, so it is therefore by definition forgiveness is an act of love, right? If the if the purest act of love is a, when you're willing to um, give of yourself, right? To sacrifice yourself, then forgiveness by, by definition is always an act of self-sacrifice, right? Giving up what one is owed, giving up one's right kind of to existence in a certain sense, um, and therefore is a self-sacrificial act of love. And well, that seems to ask an awful lot of us, I mean, but that's not news. I don't think that's news to any one of us. And I think that's part of why there's occasionally the desire to criticize someone like Mr. Rogers, because that demand is so high, right? The demand to, you know, to, to love other people in a way that's self-sacrificial is such a high demand. It's such a significant demand that it kind of seems like too much. Like, are you saying, well, like if someone does me harm, I should be willing to, to, let them do that harm well again it's important to recognize the whole idea of turning the other cheek which is isn't i just let them do the harm the harm's been done but that doesn't mean i have to reciprocate the harm and therefore demean myself and demean the humanity of the other right the solution would seem to be to turn the other cheek meaning to say no i i exist as someone who's worthwhile and you exist as someone who is worthwhile. And so we shouldn't continue on this particular path. So there's a lot of other stuff to be said here. Um, and, but to, to be brief, the, I think the whole notion kind of comes into tension with our, with our issues kind of of masculinity and what our expectations of men are and the criticisms that we kind of have. Um, that Mr. Rogers is making people weak, right? That the idea of forgiveness and allowing um, ourselves to love people to, to the point of self-sacrifice is somehow a weakness as opposed to a tremendous strength. 
it's really easy to strike back at people who strike at us. There's nothing hard, hard or difficult about that, right? That's the natural self-defense mechanism. That's a natural kind of Darwinian gesture, right? Someone harms me, so I harm them back. There's, there's nothing... There's nothing difficult about that at all, right? The, the only difficult thing, I guess, would be like if, if you take the time to really plan how to really destroy their lives. The hard, the difficult thing is is not to do that. And that, by my lights, therefore, that that is the thing that takes real strength and real strength of character. Um, strength of character uh, doesn't seem to me to be defined by how we treat the people who are kind to us. Strength of character is defined by how we treat people who are cruel to us. It's easy to be nice to people who are nice to us. That's a, that's a natural Darwinian survival thing. Someone's kind to you, be kind to them, so they'll continue being kind to you so you can continue to survive. That takes nothing. That's like an innate behavioral knee-jerk reaction. What's hard, what takes strength of character, strength of character literally means to be strong enough to combat those things in ourselves that, um, you know, bend or move us in a particular direction. But I have the strength of character, I have this, the strength of will to move in the direction that I see as actually being most morally um, responsible takes much more strength of character to be kind to people who are not kind to us because that is literally the opposite of our kind of natural biological inclination. Someone does me harm to maintain my survival. I should do them harm back so that I can continue to survive. So you have to actually like physically stop yourself in order to make it so that you um, uh, don't, do, don't do that harm. So I think there is a lot there's a lot there. There's a lot more to Mr. Rogers, I think, than just kind of like a, a cute, and to some people, they, they think it's like a creepy, like with little puppets and stuff, kids show. Um, the, the idea instead that Mr. Rogers had, and, you know, people can criticize the, you know, the filmography or the dialogue or the fact that the puppet's mouths didn't move and stuff like that. He wasn't trying to entertain children so much as he was trying to provide them with the belief that there was someone who cared enough to listen. Which I don't think is something that changes at any point for any of us, whether we're children or we're adults. It's really important to us to be heard. The very idea that someone is willing to take the time to hear us and to recognize us as existing and to recognize our suffering and unique pains this is always something that I found really profound, which is that we all have our unique pains. Every single one of us goes through what we go through. And yet that's the one thing that everybody shares is the fact that we suffer. There's no guarantee that any single person on the planet is going to experience happiness or pleasure, but it's a guarantee that we all will suffer. So that's a, that's a uniting, uniting human condition that experience. And that's something that we can recognize in the other and have compassion and empathy for. And it's interesting because I think in some ways, Mr. Rogers ending song right at the very end of his show would gesture towards that. Um, he would, he would sing, it's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling you're growing inside. And when you wake up every day and it continues on and on, it's really, really easy to hear the lyrics and sensibly so of that song is it's such a good feeling to know you're alive, which means to know that I'm alive, right? It's such a good feeling for me to know that I'm alive. It's such a happy feeling. I'm growing inside, you know, and when I wake up every day, it can be a bright new, you know, snappy day, so on and so forth. 
But there's also a way in which that song can be read in terms of it's such a good feeling to know that you're alive. And given the overall message of Mr. Rogers' show, I think that ends up being kind of a, a key possibility too, right? That the word you can both mean me and you, strangely enough, that when I'm singing that song, I can be singing about myself. It's such a good feeling to know that I'm alive. But it's also such a good feeling to know that you're alive. And that gesture towards your your worth, it's good to know that you're there. And that, that I think, is really kind of the, the key to kind of unlocking what's really kind of beautiful, or one of the things that's pretty beautiful and wonderful about Mr. Rogers and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is that when he's singing about being alive, that part of what brings him great joy about being alive is the fact that he um, is happy that you're alive, happy that we were and are, and that the idea of having a human experience is not about what I do or what I make or what, are, what I accomplish and what I do um, that makes me somehow worthy of finally of recognition, but instead of being present and being someone who I can hear and someone who I would like to hear and someone with a unique and worthwhile story. So for my part, um, as, as the holidays continue, I, I want to say I'm glad to know uh, that all of you are out there. And um, by my lights, not because you're listening to this right now or have managed to make it to the end of a 25 minute YouTube video, um, by my lights, the world is a, is a more interesting place because you're in it. And so um, thank you for taking your time to, to hang out with me today, and I hope you have wonderful holidays. Have a wonderful week.